Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And today I have a treat for you because you get to meet one of OMG's finest. And we get to talk about a topic that is one of my favorite all-time topics when it comes to marketing. We're going to look at how to build full funnel growth using Google Ads. So using all that Google has to offer you, how do you create full funnel growth? We're going to get a little bit nerdy, but I also want to help make sure this is practical and applicable and easy to understand. Are you a D2C brand spending over six figures a month on paid media? If so, then listen up. My agency, OMG Commerce, and I have worked with some of the top e-commerce brands over the years, including Boom, Native, Groove, Monin, Organifi, and dozens more. And every year, we audit hundreds of Google, YouTube, and Amazon ad accounts. And we always find either significant opportunities for growth or wasted ad spend to cut or both. For example, are you missing YouTube ads? Whatever you're spending on top of funnel Facebook, you should be able to spend 30 to 50% of that or more on YouTube with similar returns. So if you're spending 300 to 400,000 a month on Facebook, you should be able to easily spend 100 to 150,000 or more on YouTube. Visit omgcommerce.com to request a free strategy session or visit our resource page and get some of our free guides loaded with some of our best strategies for YouTube ads. Google Shopping, Amazon DSP, and more. Check it all out at omgcommerce.com. My guest today is a team member, uh, uh, Team OMG, that I actually get to work with almost on a daily basis, which I don't know if that's a privilege for this guy <laughs> or if he dreads it. I really don't know. We'll find out right now on the, on the podcast. But uh, I'll, I'll give more of an intro in just a minute, but, but welcome to the show, Matt Slaymaker. What's up, Matt? How you doing? Absolutely. Thank you so much. I'm doing great. great. Good, good. Well, thanks for coming on here. I know it's one of those things when your boss reaches out and says, hey, you want to be on the podcast? You're like, well, can I say no? Can I not say no? Uh, but but, <laughs> uh, but you, you and I have done a few things together. We did a, did a webinar not too long ago with our Google reps, you, you did an amazing job. And so really excited to pick your brain and dive into this full funnel growth topic for Google Ads. But before we do, uh, all of you listening should know a couple things about Matt. Uh, not only is Matt you know, a rock star and one of the best when it comes to Google Ads management, he also is the owner of quite the interesting nickname. Now, I call him Slaymaker a lot, um, but in football, growing up, I heard that Matt was called Slaymaker the Playmaker. Maybe we could maybe we could even hear the quick story on that, Matt. How did you get yeah. dubbed the title Slaymaker the Playmaker? I'll tell you it did not come from making plays. It, it, <laughs> that's, it really, that's even better. I, I, I was by far the smallest member of the uh, football team, so I really didn't make any plays. But one of the moms just loved my last name. So anytime <laughs> I would just take the field, do anything, make one tackle throughout the whole game, I'd hear Slaymaker the Playmaker. Yeah. And yeah, that's how that started. That and makes that nickname way better. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, uh, uh, thanks, thanks, mom. Thanks for calling me the playmaker. Moms just have a way of making people feel good, so that's awesome. Slaymaker, the playmaker. I remember that. But even if you weren't totally lighting up the football field, you were lighting up the Brazilian jiu-jitsu mat. Uh, and 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 so, tell people, Matt Slaymaker, what belt you achieved in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And if you don't know Brazilian jiu-jitsu, this might not be as impressive. Well, it'll be impressive uh, regardless. But uh, yeah, what, what belt yeah, yeah. did you achieve? Yeah, don't, don't downplay Brazilian jiu-jitsu. This is top level in martial arts. This is, this is top level, yeah. I, I eventually ended up at first degree black belt. Um, so if anyone doesn't know what Brazilian jiu-jitsu is, it's like wrestling, but it has the submission component to it. So arm bars, chokes, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and and so I uh, did not grow up doing martial arts. I played football, basketball, uh, but I recently, my kids and I took some BJJ classes. I know you know that, Matt. We talked about that. I've got a couple of friends that are amazing BJJ practitioners. Ezra Firestone is is one of them. Uh, but I learned that it's the hardest martial art to get your black belt in. Like not like it's easy to get a black belt in any other martial art, but it takes the longest. It's the hardest to get your black belt. So. Uh, 
Yeah, it's that balance between the physical component, which is really hard. And I'm sure, as you've seen, it's a great workout. It's an um, amazing workout. Yeah. But then all that technique that you just have to memorize and download into your brain. Luckily, when I was younger going through it, it's easy to remember that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, yep. guys, I can imagine it's probably hard for you, but... <laughs> it, it, I don't know. Was that an old joke, Matt? What, what are you trying to say? Here? What are you trying to say? Uh, yeah, it actually was. It actually was hard, um, but I really, really enjoyed it. So let's let's dive into this topic of Google Ads management, and uh, I want to kind of preface this by saying: so, so Matt is a Google specialist. Actually, you want to tell people what you do, Matt? What does what does a Google specialist do? What's a day look like for you here at OMG? Yeah, so a Google specialist um, at OMG and at any other agency, really, we use Google Ads uh, to do two things, really. Uh, demand generation, so getting people interested in uh, your brand, your products, what you do, uh, building awareness and consideration for that kind of stuff, and then capturing demand that's already there. Uh, so people who are actively searching for that kind of stuff, people who are actively searching for you or have been to your website before, getting those people to actually end up converting. Uh, so our goal is to move people through what we call a funnel, uh, starting at that awareness level, down to consideration, eventually get them to purchase, and then not just stop there. We want them to purchase again later on down the road, and we call that loyalty. And then a step below that's called advocacy, getting people to go share and tell their friends about that kind of stuff. So my goal is to use the tools available through uh, Google Ads, which is Google Search, Google Shopping, YouTube, Display, and Discover to move people through that funnel. Yeah, love that. And great, great breakdown there. And just want to mention, uh, and this is probably very obvious to everyone listening, but really Google touches essentially every online user, right? If you're going to search for something, you're looking for a product, you're researching for reviews, or you're actually looking to make a purchase, you're probably going to touch Google at some point in time. Maybe you buy on Amazon eventually, but you're probably going to touch Amazon, you're probably going to touch Google along the way. If you're looking to learn or research or do or buy or something and you want to look at video first, you're probably going to YouTube, right? So those are the two most trafficked websites on the planet, Google number one, YouTube number two. You have access to both of those through Google Ads. And then through the Google Display Network, which we're talking about in a minute, you can access like 80-some percent of the web that way too. So whoever you're trying to target, you can reach through Google Ads. So let's dive in a little bit, Matt. Uh, slave maker, the playmaker. Let's talk about uh, kind of the foundation. So if we're looking at how to build a full funnel on YouTube, I like to really start more at the bottom, mid and bottom of funnel before we go higher than that. But let's break this down by channel a little bit. Let's talk search ads first. So e-commerce store, where should they start? What should they consider when it comes to search ads? And maybe talk yeah. to me about what search ads are just, just to make sure we're all really clear. Yeah, so... Search ads, it'll sound obvious once I kind of explain it, but search ads are those ads that appear at the top of Google search. So if you go do a search for- These are, these are text ads. Yeah, yeah, those, uh, and so we'll talk about shopping ads a little bit later, but these are those text ads uh, that only have the text elements to it. Usually you'll get two or three up at the very top of Google, and then you'll see a few down at the bottom. Uh, so when it comes to Google search ads, there's a couple of key components there uh, to what you got to piece together for those campaigns. Uh, where you typically are going to start are going to be at your keywords. And with keywords, typically we break these down into three categories. You've got your branded keywords, which we'll talk about a little bit more in a minute. Uh, Non-branded keywords. So these are uh, people doing that kind of hats online for sale uh, search. And then competitor keywords. So any of your competitors out there uh, who we want to bid on, we want to steal some traffic from, we can target those types of keywords. The other component of this are the ads themselves. So in piecing together those ads, determining which keywords we want to show for, we've got to get an ad in front of them. And with those ads, can't just put up an ad and say who we are and expect people to click on it and convert. We've got to usually address three main things. Who we are, what are we selling, and why should somebody buy from us? And I like I think that third one, the why, is really the most important part. Because when somebody does do that search, hats for sale, they're going to see three ads there. That why is really what gets them to click on us as opposed to those other ones there. Yeah, I, I love that. And it's also really important that you have to put the ad in the context of that keyword, right? And, and this is what makes... 
Google unique to really any other advertising type is that it's intent-based. And what we're talking about now is, is query-based, so it's search-based. You know exactly what someone is searching for. Google knows that. And so then you can tailor your ad to answer that question or that query that someone's typing in. And then, yeah, address that, what we're offering, why you should click on our ad. You, you can address those things. And, um, yeah, it's just super, super powerful. And, and I want to talk about uh, something you, you hit on in the beginning, Matt, which is really important to underscore. Uh, we kind of classify e-commerce brands in, in two categories. And, and most brands kind of straddle the two categories a little bit, but they lean more one way or the other. And those two categories are demand capture or demand generation. So demand generation is more, these are products you're maybe not thinking about. Maybe you've got a problem you're thinking about, but you're not thinking about a product. And so we have to generate that demand, right? So think about, you know, some of the as seen on TV products that you've seen, like the, the George Foreman grill back when that was interviewed, right? No, no one's sitting around thinking, man, I just, I wish I had a more convenient grill. I don't know. But if they saw it, they're like, well, that's pretty cool. I'd like to have that and, and be like Michael Scott in the office and, and cook, you know, bedside with a George Foreman girl. Uh, but that's demand generation, right? Or there's demand capture where this is something you're maybe uh, only going to look for when you have a specific need. So one example I like to use is auto parts, right? So if I am shopping for new brakes for my truck, first of all, I could just go to the dealership. But if I were doing it on my own, uh, I... I'm not like going to be persuaded by a YouTube ad or a Facebook ad to, hey, upgrade your brakes because it's really great, right? No. But if I had a need, a specific need, I would go out and I would search for it on Google. And so that's more of a demand capture business. Most uh, businesses kind of straddle one or, or kind of lean one way or the other, but a little bit of both. Um, yeah. Give an example, another example, Boom by Cindy Joseph, friend of the show, shout out to Ezra Firestone. They sell pro-age cosmetics, so cosmetics that are really good for you, but for women who want to embrace where they are in life and, and maybe stop coloring their hair and, and let it stay gray and things like that. And so they're more demand capture with a little bit of demand generation. Um, so uh, as we look at that, search really falls into that demand capture space and, and it does it quite well. So uh, let's talk about two things. Let's talk branded search first. This is a hot topic. Uh, why, Matt Slaymaker, would somebody bid on their own name? Why would you run branded search? This is one of the most common questions we get from clients all the time. They always ask, Can, wouldn't it be easy? Aren't we going to get that traffic anyway? Aren't they just going to click on our organic listing there? And so aren't we wasting money by bidding on branded traffic? And really, there's three main reasons I say, no, absolutely, you need to be bidding on your brand name. Uh, one is simply competition. If you're not bidding on your brand name, your competitors likely are. Uh, and even if they are not, there might be vendors who are bidding on your brand name, whether that's Amazon, uh, Ace Hardware, Walmart. It's almost always... Somebody else who's reselling your products, they're, they're maybe bidding on your name. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's almost always going to be a lot more profitable to have the user click on your branded ad, buy through your website, then go through one of those vendors. Uh, but in addition to both the competition and the vendors, say none of them were there at all, what I've seen really strong impact from branded campaigns uh, comes down to uh, the improved click-through rates and the control over messaging that you can really have. Uh, so a lot of the research out there uh, shows that if you do have those branded ads active, you see a 10, 20% boost in your overall click-throughs, uh, both combined organic and paid. So a lot of people think if I just have organic there, I'll still get 100% of those click-throughs. But really, you won't because there's all sorts of other options for somebody to choose from. Uh, in addition, you also have a lot of uh, control over your messaging there. So say you have a promotion that's happening at the moment. If somebody did that branded search uh, and saw your branded ad had that promotional messaging in it, gives them all that more urgency to go ahead and click your ad and buy right then and there. Uh, so all sorts of reasons. I think competition is probably the number one. Uh, make sure you're pushing those guys down the page and not losing any traffic to uh, yeah. anyone out there. I, I love that. And I'm so glad you underscored the, the controlling the messaging aspect because if you don't control that, then you're really leaving it all up to Google. Google picks what, what they display in the organic results. Yes, you may have a title tag and a meta description that the Google could pull in, they could also pull in something else random if, if they wanted to, if they felt like that was more relevant to the user. So when you run that ad, you control that message. 
Uh, and then in terms of the competition piece, I think this is really interesting. We have some clients, I'm thinking of one client in particular, where they just dominate the, the search results page if you search their brand name. They got YouTube videos, they've got the infograph, they've yeah. got, you know, it's just loaded with their stuff, right? So, and no one's bidding on their name. So they would be okay to slow down a little bit on branded search. But most of the clients we look at and most of the, the, the accounts we audit, you look at their brand name, they've got two, three, four competitors bidding on them. You've got other things popping up. I guarantee you there'll be some people that search for you by name, click on a competitor, and don't know that it's a competitor, right, if you're not there. So you got to get there. And then I'll throw in uh, one fourth reason, Matt, is uh, tracking. So, yes. you know, as we're looking at, you know, you've got Search Console, you got Google Analytics, but a lot of the keyword data has been stripped from Google Analytics. So getting data to see how people are converting, and then as we do more top of funnel stuff, we'll talk about in a minute, then being able to see those people convert through branded search, really right. powerful. Because most people, if they see something on YouTube or Facebook and they don't buy, the next step later is to search for it on Google. And we'll capture that. That's where I love uh, branded ads in particular, is being able to see two things. One, as you really level up and up, you know, up your scale in terms of those non-branded uh, non efforts, those top of funnel efforts, what happens to the branded searches? Do they go up? Do they yeah. stay stagnant? Great way to track that. But then in addition, you can layer audiences, whether they're remarketing audiences, viewed video audiences, onto your branded campaigns and see exactly how are our YouTube users who see that YouTube ad then going and searching for our name. So on top of those other things, competition, visibility, messaging, all that kind of stuff, the tracking that you just mentioned, all uh, really cool stuff. And watch, yeah, watching the brand lift as you engage in top of funnel activities. Totally. Really smart. We'll, we'll touch on that a little bit more too when we talk top of funnel. So what are a few things, Matt, that have changed recently with Google search ads? Yeah, uh, I'll throw at you two things. One from a keyword perspective and then one from an ad perspective. So back in the day, really, there were three match types that you could work with with Google. There was exact match, there was phrase match, and there was broad match. A little later on, they introduced broad match modifier, which is somewhere in between phrase match and exact match. And for those who might not know what the difference between each of those are, exact match, the idea behind it is it's only going to show exactly for the keyword that you bid on or some close variants, misspelling, stuff like that. So if you bid on hats for sale, it really should only show for hats for sale if somebody searches for that. Phrase match is a little bit broader. So it, in the past, could uh, take that hats for sale and then show for anything that came before or after that. So if someone searched for cheap hats for sale, or hats for sale online, then phrase match would capture that. Broad match would take one, maybe two of the keywords in that keyword. So if it was just hats for sale, maybe it's just gonna show for when somebody searches for hats or yeah. watches. Or how to make it how to make a hat or how to make a oh, hat exactly crazy stuff. Free hats, whatever. Yeah. yeah. And so almost always we tend to steer away from broad match even to this day. Um, broad match modifier, though, was something where it was a little bit more in between phrase match and broad match. Um, so it was actually a good option for a lot of people. That, however, recently got deprecated. So that is no longer an option for targeting. Uh, so now we're back to the phrase match, exact match, and broad match, except now phrase match is a little bit broader than it used to be. So now it's going to capture a few more of those um, kind of loosely related keywords there. Uh, so something to kind of watch out for. And even exact match is a little bit more uh, expansive than it used to be. Uh, yeah. So instead of just capturing misspellings or uh, adding an S to the end Plurals, yeah. hat instead of hats, um, it, it's now showing for a, a few other more loosely connected things. So another thing to kind of watch out for there. Yeah, and Google's, Google's on this definite trend where they're like, hey, trust us a little bit, right? Just kind of let, let's ease this up a little bit. Trust the algorithm. Trust that we want to, you know, we got your best interest at heart to, to grow your your business, and and I don't think that's untrue, but but they're they're definitely yeah always trying to uh, get get users to trust them a little bit, and and this match type discussion is important because we're trying to line up our ad with shopper intent and searcher intent, and uh, what a really interesting stat that a lot of people don't know is that uh, every day fifteen percent of searches conducted on Google. Google has never seen before, right? That's kind of shocking when you think about the millions and millions of searches conducted every day. 15% are brand new to Google. And that's just because 
as a population, we're searching more, we're searching for more things, we're using voice search, right. we're, we're making up queries. It's not just the same thing as hat for sale, you know, it's all kinds of random hats or random whatever, right? So, so, so broadening the match type of, hey, yeah, we want people that are kind of searching like these types of keywords that allows us to hopefully get in front of, of more people. So yeah. uh, awesome. So keywords have changed a little bit or keyword targeting has changed just a little bit. What else has changed in terms of Google search ads? So on the ads themselves, uh, if anyone was in Google ads a couple years ago, you might remember that they used to have what was called text ads. And these gave you two headlines and one description. They were very simple uh, and pretty short. There wasn't much to say or do there. Uh, you had your 30 character limit for headlines, 90 character limit for descriptions. None of that's changed. A uh, couple, couple years later, what they introduced was expanded text ads. So these now gave you three headlines to work with um, and then two descriptions. And not always and will that third Let me just say for a Google shopping nerd or Google search nerd like us, like other agencies, it was like, are you kidding me? Expanded text ads? More real estate, fifty percent right. more real estate, or whatever. Like we, you know, we just went, we went nuts on expanded text ads. Oh yeah, yeah. Just that extra headline, that extra description to give you Dude. something to put out there and say to try to pull that user in. Huge, huge difference. Um, so that was a big change uh, and a great change. But now they're actually starting to get rid of expanded text ads as well. And now what is the default ad type for Google Search are called responsive search ads. And these give you up to 15 different headlines that you could throw in there, same character limits of 30 characters, uh, and then four descriptions. And Google will rotate these out based on the user's search intent, uh, historical performance of those headlines and descriptions. So if it sees that, hey, description one does way better than description four when a user searches for this, we're gonna show one at a more often rate than we would show four. And then same with a lot of those headlines. That said, you can still have control over a lot of those things. So if you don't want uh, your headline number 10, which says free shipping for US orders to show as your headline one, you could still pin that to the position three or position two, wherever you want it to show in terms of that order of operations. But now there's a little bit more uh, liberty on Google's end to kind of swap that stuff out and optimize based on the user's behavior. Yeah, so again, Google's saying, hey, trust us. But, but, it, but in a lot of ways, it does make sense. In this case, Google is saying, hey, we, we're going to watch the data here. So you give us more headlines, you give us more descriptions. We're going to mix and match. We're going to find the perfect combos. We're going to be able to line up this combination of headline and description with this type of keyword, this type of user. And over time, it really can work. You still have to put thought into writing those headlines and those descriptions. But over time, between if you're if you're a smart marketer and you know you leverage Google's algorithm, you can see pretty magical results over time. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. awesome. Absolutely. And then uh, you know one question we get a lot is how should we budget for this, right? So how much of my budget should go to search? There's no exact answer here, but but a good rule of thumb that we found is for search, you know anywhere that this is looking at your Google budget, not your total marketing budget, but the the amount of money you're spending with Google for e-commerce stores, typically your search ads are going to be in the 15 to 30 percent range, sometimes a little bit more, uh, and so that's kind of what we typically look at. Uh, any any final thoughts on search map before we move on to the next channel? Yeah, just on the you know, how much of your budget should go to search. It really just depends on what your goal is. So if yeah. your goal is growth and you do have a more robust full funnel strategy where uh, top of funnel plays a really big part, uh, then yeah, that 15, 30% probably sounds about right. But if you're maybe more conservative and short-term, immediate-term profitability is your goal and you really just want to launch with search, shopping, and some remarketing, then maybe search could end up being more like 30 to 50%. Uh, and then shopping, 30 to 50%, and display remarketing, et cetera, uh, another 20%. So it really just depends on what your goal is. There's no uh, you know, set rule of thumb there, but if you're doing a full funnel strategy, which we think you should, uh, then that 15 to 30% is most likely where you'll fall. Awesome. Totally agree. So let's now move to Google Shopping, and this is a topic that I've been speaking about forever. Love it. But Matt, for those at home that do not know what Google Shopping is, what is it and why is it so important to e-commerce brands? 
Yeah, so for the most part, Google Shopping is going to show in the same places as Google Search with some additional placements like YouTube, uh, Gmail, uh, Discover, places like that. Uh, but the shopping ads are the ones up at the top of Google and then on the side of Google, uh, the right side you'll usually see it, where you see the product itself, uh, you see the price of the product, the number of reviews, all that good stuff. Uh, so in terms of behavior, it operates a, a lot the same way as, as search ads do, but you get a lot of qualifying information there, which is why I typically see that non-branded traffic. We'll go back to that hats for sale uh, example. I actually see that almost always perform better on the shopping side of things than I do for search. And the reason I think that's the case is because- yeah, What kind of hat are we shopping here for, Matt? This is, a, this is an important side note. I just want to know. I've never actually seen you wear a hat. I don't wear hats much either. No, uh, no. What, uh, what hat? If you were to wear a hat, what would you go with? You talk, are we talking like a, you know, a, a yeah. cowboy hat? Are we talking about a yeah. baseball cap? We're talking about? I was thinking sombreros specifically. <laughs> sombreros, right. when, yeah. You don't see me wear hats often, but when I do, that's what you'll you catch. Go, yeah. Yeah, right. I, I love fedora. that, man. Fedora as well. The fedora, yeah, the fedora. Can't go wrong with fedora or the sombrero. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad we got So now, every time Matt yeah. mentions hat, you picture sombrero. Okay, good. Right, uh, right. So, sorry, I derailed you. Um, but yeah, so so back to, to shopping ads. Yeah, I, so the reason I think that those, you know, sombrero for sale searches are going to do better on shopping than they typically do for search is because you do see a lot of that qualifier information prices, reviews, and then what does the product look like before you ever even click on it? Because search ads and shopping ads as well, they are going on a pay-per-click basis. So you only get charged when somebody actually clicks on the ad. Uh, so if that price point is a deterrent for a lot of people, then they're not even going to click on the ad, which saves you some money there. If you only have a certain number of reviews and they only want to shop for somebody who has a uh, hundred five-star reviews, then they're not even going to click on your ad. So for those reasons, I typically see the people who come through on those non-branded searches for shopping convert at higher rates than search. Because with search, they might still see those differentiators. And we can give them an idea of pricing with things like price extensions uh, and other extensions that we can talk about some other time. Uh, but for the most part, I think shopping is really powerful in giving a lot of those um, important information details to uh, the user. Yeah, shopping is really the, the workhorse for e-commerce. Google Shopping is the number one comparison shopping engine outside of Amazon. And so seeing seeing that image, the price, the title, the brand, reviews, hopefully a good, you know, good picture, seeing all of that is pretty compelling. So yeah, you, you're 100% right. The, the leads that come through Google Shopping are more likely to convert than, than almost any other click other than branded search. And so, you know, we've found some of our clients, you know, so like we have auto parts clients and others where shopping's 60% of the total Google budget because it just converts and there's a lot of search volume there. And so it's, it's pretty powerful. Um, and uh, another quick note there, um, it just imagine from your own user behavior whenever you do any search out there looking for barbecue rubs for sale, anything like that, and you see a search ad uh, up at the top of Google, and then you see that same company's shopping ads uh, scattered out there as well. That is such a big credibility boost, and it's such a great way to establish yourself as the name for that product. Um, so I think they can work. They can boost each other just by running alongside. Totally. Yeah, there have been studies done there. When you have a search ad and a shopping ad together, it boosts your overall click-through rate, just kind of like you were talking about before with organic and paid. Same happens. And think about the like the ultimate trifecta, right? You've got you've got the search ad, you get the the hopefully an organic listing, and you've got a shopping ad. Like you are now super credible and people want to click. And maybe even someone just is like understands the way the the search universe works and they click on your organic listing anyway, but having those ads there help right. drive that organic click, which is pretty powerful. Now, a couple of quick notes that we'll talk about, and I'll mention these and then chime in with anything you have, Matt. Uh, yeah. You've probably heard people talk about smart shopping, right? So smart shopping is a newer thing in the last several years. We admittedly were not fans when, at least I was not a, a fan of smart shopping when it first launched, but in recent years, it has gotten 
way better. Google really emphasizes smart shopping. Uh, I'll, I'll have you kind of chime in on our approach in a minute, Matt. But one thing to, to think about smart shopping is Google has opened up more inventory. So not only do your ads show up in the search results, like but like you talked about, your ads can show up on YouTube. So that's why if you've ever been on YouTube watching a video about how to fix your lawnmower and you see lawnmower ads or, or lawnmower uh, parts ads and they're those shopping ads, that's part of the reason why Google's opened that up with, with smart shopping. It also has a component of remarketing built in and a few other things, uh, but yeah. pretty powerful. How, how do we like to approach it though, Matt? Because people are always asking us, hey, smart versus standard shopping, which do you prefer? How do, yeah. we, how do we usually approach that? I think you've got to run them together uh, because the while smart shopping, it has a lot of advantages in the sense that, like Brett mentioned, that expanded inventory that isn't fully present with standard shopping. It does have a downside, and the one critical downside to me for smart shopping campaigns is that there's really a lack of visibility. Uh, you can't see any search terms at all. Uh, so if your campaign has a 3x ROAS, you know you make three dollars for every one dollar you spent. You don't really know what led to that. Was it yeah. all branded searches? Was it all non-branded searches? You can't fully know. Uh, and that's where standard shopping running alongside of that can help clarify a lot of that stuff. Because with standard shopping, you do still have the ability to see those search terms. And it also enables you to get an idea of, are the non-branded searches that are coming through actually relevant to us? You know, we had a client recently where we took over and their smart shopping was doing okay. Um, but then we launched standard shopping along with it. And we saw that the search terms that were coming through were completely irrelevant. There were some good ones, but a lot of irrelevant search terms. And so that gives us uh, the idea to go back to that feed. Was this the one, Matt, that, that was, it's health related and it's like supplements. And one yeah. of the keywords was like boot or something like, like So something the like example this. was they make health tests and gut tests where you can uh, you know, test your uh, microbiome and gut health, stuff like that. And what was coming through were pregnancy tests or yeah, COVID, yeah, yeah, COVID yeah, yeah. tests and things like that where they're converting really well for the relevant stuff that comes through, but all that irrelevant stuff, that's just a waste of money. Um, so I think you do have to run them alongside each other. And then within your standard shopping campaigns, have a system of A-B testing where you do make some changes to your feed item, the product title, the description, stuff like that, and A-B test it and see how does that affect the searches that are actually coming through. Yeah. Um, so ideally, you can try to run them alongside. And then once you do feel like you're at a point where the shopping feed is really well optimized, you can phase out one and give more budget to the one that's doing the best. Yeah, it re really is owning that digital shelf, right? If we, if we think about this like a, a physical shelf in a retail store, how, how does a product stand out? And, and why do you pay attention to one product versus another? Some of it's price, some of it's packaging. And so, so the way we work on merchandising through Google Shopping is, is through the feed. And just like Matt talked about, title, image. Maybe we're playing with price in a few different areas. But yeah, you've got to work on that test that. A lot of times people just say, here's my feed, Google, go nuts. And then they never look at it again where you got to think merchandising here to, to optimize yeah. that and really uh, own more real estate. Because what's cool is the more people click on your ads, the more Google will reward you by showing your ad more. If Google determines, hey, for these keywords, people love these products and they click on them, they're going to show your ad more. And then you're going to get cheaper click uh, CPCs and likely more conversions. And so yep. optimizing that is, is super, super important. Yeah, what Brett is referring to is uh, a component of what's called quality score. And quality scores, and this is especially important when it comes to your search campaigns, looks at three main things. Your ad relevance, so does the ad talk about the keyword that just got searched for? The landing page relevance, does the page that you're sending them to talk about what somebody just searched for? And then your historical expected click-through rate. And that's exactly what Brett just talked about. If your ads are getting clicked on more than other people's ads, Google's going to reward you for that. Yeah, and it was a brilliant innovation quality score that I really think it was, the, it was the magic ingredient that helped Google become what it is today because it incentivized advertisers to make a great ads. And it incentivized them by charging them lower rates if they had a good quality score. It just led to... It led to, to advertisers getting smarter, and then it led to users getting what they want, and then it you know, led to Google making 
bazillions of, of dollars. <laughs> and so uh, everyone's happy, I think. Yeah. Uh, awesome. So so that that's so we got search, we got shopping. Let's talk remarketing now. So so we're we're kind of building the foundation of our full funnel growth. I'm, I'm watching the clock, Matt. We've, we've been getting excited, and I'm going to blame myself for getting <laughs> long-winded. We're not going to leave ourselves very much time for top of funnel. That's okay. We can always circle back to top of funnel and go deeper later. We will touch on it. But so we got search and shopping. Those are foundational. Let's yeah. talk remarketing now as well. So, so uh, what channels do we recommend for remarketing? What are some of your top remarketing tips? That's going to be a tough one to be brief on because I love remarketing. This is my component <laughs> of advertising, honestly. Um, so first, just want to break down what's different about uh, each of these channels. So display network, what is that? That's about 90% of the websites out there and also covers mobile apps. Uh, so you've probably seen display ads there. Discovery ads, they look just like display ads. You have a little bit more characters to work with. Um, but these show exclusively on YouTube, Gmail, and the Discover Network, which is like a personalized feed through Google. Uh, and then YouTube is YouTube. So you, you get your uh, YouTube ads and, and feed or in the YouTube homepage uh, as well. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and so, so why do you love the remarketing so much, Matt? I love remarketing so much because I, I kind of look at the funnel. I, I related this recently as like pouring water into a cup. And without remarketing, it's as if you have holes at the bottom of the cup where you're pouring all this top of funnel traffic and this non-branded traffic in, but so much water is just leaking out through the bottom and you're not actually retaining anything. I look at remarketing as a way to like patch up those holes and make sure you're keeping more of the water that you're pulling in. Um, so. Without remarketing, I think there's a lot of waste out there. And this is our opportunity to follow up with people who uh, have initially made contact with our business or have already purchased from our business. And we know that they know us and they love us and to get more out of those users. So, yeah, that's a little awesome. Uh, yeah, I love it. And and we can all think of scenarios where we've we've seen a cool ad, we've clicked on it, we visit the site, we think, oh, that's really neat. I might try to check that out. Then we get distracted or we don't want to spend the money right then. And then we forget about it, right? We need those reminders, we need that remarketing ad to get us back. So let's talk audiences really quickly here. What what audiences are we typically building to be able to to effectively remarket? Yeah, there's a lot that you can do. My absolute favorite is starting with your purchasers. Um, so these are the people, like I said earlier, we know that they like us because they've already purchased from us before, especially if we can find a way to target repeat purchasers. Um, so within purchasers, there's three main categories. There's the opportunity to cross-sell users. So these are people who bought product A, but they have not yet bought product B. So maybe that's they bought barbecue rubs from your company, but not the sauces. And we know those would pair really great together. Uh, maybe they, And then the other option would be uh, an upsell opportunity. So they bought product A, but they didn't buy the bundle. So maybe they bought a single barbecue rub, but we have a combo pack of eight different barbecue rubs that we know you would like. Uh, so getting in front of them was something like that. And then the last one within purchasers is replenishment slash reordering. So people who bought product A, but haven't done so recently and getting back in front of them with that because we know they uh, know and love it and just getting them to try it again. Uh, after that, so that's just the purchaser component of it. From there, you could, and this is what most people think of when they think of remarketing, is targeting all of the visitors who've come to your website at all. That's by far going to be your highest volume remarketing list, but it might see the lower ROAS because this is simply all visitors, regardless of their level of engagement. A step below that in, in terms of them showing a little bit more engagement would be product page viewers, or service page viewers, people who visited a, a particular product on your page and have expressed particular interest. Uh, from there, my another one of my favorite ones is called card abandoners. This one typically will see the best efficiency on it. You'd be surprised, about 80% of people actually abandon their cart. And maybe it's more like 70%, but it's a really high rate of people that add something to their cart and end up not purchasing. Uh, but if we get back in front of them, almost always I see card abandoners see the highest efficiency in terms of ROAS and really low CPAs. So the reason somebody abandons their cart can vary. Most of the time they just forgot. Uh, they were that close. Now we just get back in front of them and have them uh, finish their purchase. And the last one that I think you would love to talk about a little bit more are viewed video audiences. So this is where those top of funnel efforts that you're doing on YouTube 
really kind of come full circle. Maybe they never visited your website before, but we have made that initial impression on them from these uh, YouTube ads that we're running for Top of Funnel. So getting back in front of them with the display, discovery, or even YouTube ad, uh, just from them viewing the video, is also really, really powerful. And see windows and replenishment and cross-sell and upsell, and you bought this, but you didn't buy that. So you build that out, and and now you can be more aggressive with your top of funnel Facebook and your top of funnel YouTube because you're closing more of the people that you get to check out your site and check out your products. So uh, I, I understand. I, I don't disagree with you about remarketing because it is really valuable and super fun. But man, I like the I like the juice of uh, top of funnel. So let's uh, so let's talk top of funnel really quickly. And we're gonna have to do this a grave disservice. We're gonna talk about uh, top of funnel here for a few minutes and then uh, I know what you did, Matt. You're trying to get part two. You're trying to get round two. You want to be on the podcast again. You're like, oh, let me just drag this out a little bit and then Brett will invite me on for round two. So, okay, fine. You, you get what you want. Uh, <laughs> so let's talk top of funnel marketing now. Now, what are our what are our opportunities? Oh, oh, and and this will actually be, um, tie this in a little bit to remarketing too, but what are, what are the channels for top of funnel? And, and you mentioned them for, for bottom of funnel as well. Uh, but why why is it important to consider all the channels, basically? Yeah, I mean, every so the channels are the same three ones that we just mentioned. So there's display, there's discovery, and then there's YouTube. Every channel has its advantages and their disadvantages. Uh, what I really love about YouTube and discovery in particular is that really only one ad is showing at a time. So when it comes to YouTube ads, that's your moment in the spotlight. There's nobody else there. Somebody's watching their video. You get in front of them with an ad, and it's just you there. And discovery actually works a lot the same way. Say you're scrolling. And what are discovery ads for those that don't know? Yeah, it, again, it looks it looks exactly like a display ad. It's an image-based ad with some headlines and descriptions, but it shows up on Gmail, shows up on YouTube. Uh, so if you ever see an image ad on YouTube, that's a discovery ad. Um, yeah. And the Google app, supposedly, but I don't ever see them there. I only see them on Gmail and on YouTube. But yeah, really, really great placement. And and each of these has its advantages and disadvantages. Frankly, I see Discovery and YouTube see the best conversion rates in terms of, yep. uh, and it depends on your creative. If you have really, really strong YouTube creative and maybe more weak images, then YouTube might be your very best top of funnel platform. And then vice versa, if you have really weak YouTube creative, but really, really strong images, then discovery might be your best. Um, but usually, so the other kind of flip side component of this, uh, there's the direct performance aspect of it, which we measure by conversion rates, ROAS, and CPA. But then there's the awareness side of it. How many people can we reach with $1, with $2, $100? And that's where display is really powerful. So display almost always will see CPMs, which is cost per 1,000 impressions of 2 to $4. Discovery, it's more like eight to ten dollars. YouTube, it can be more like fifteen to thirty dollars. So, and it kind of corresponds with what you see with conversion rates, where conversion rates are a little bit stronger, the cost per impression is a little bit higher. Uh, so, I would say test out every single one of them based on the creative and the images that you do have available to you, and then just see what works the best given your goal of driving awareness and direct conversions. Yeah, and, and, and so 100% agree. You know, I, I tend to lean towards YouTube just because I love it. I've always loved video marketing and I started in TV a long time ago. And so I'm, you know, lo love YouTube. But it does depend on what you're selling, right? If you're selling something that's really straightforward and simple. So uh, I'm a Chiefs fan. I, I, I see your Tony Romo jersey in the background there, Matt, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to one up you here. Uh, so I'm, I'm a Chiefs fan, uh, Patrick Mahomes. If I'm selling Patrick Mahomes jerseys, I don't need a lot of explanation, right? I don't need a full video to tell you what a Patrick Mahomes jersey is. If you see the jersey and you see, you know, NFL logos, you know what it is, right? So discovery ad display, perfect for that, right? If there's a cool offer, I'm going to click, I might buy. If it's something more complex, so it's a, a new protein shake that doesn't taste like chalk or, or this is uh, a unique tool to, you know, fix your car or something that I need to see explained, video is going to be better for that, right? And, and the more you can tell and explain and show if it needs to be demonstrated, then obviously nothing, nothing beats video for, for that. So, so let's talk uh, about audiences really quickly. And these, these audiences can be the same across channel, across YouTube, discovery display, but what are the best audiences that we usually start with, Matt, when we're, when we're going top of funnel? 
So I have a bit of a power ranking system, and the, the power rankings have changed a little bit in the last year, but right. number one is still undefeated for me personally, and that's custom intent audiences. So what custom intent audiences are, um, if you're familiar with in-market audiences, they are very similar to that in the sense that these are people who are actively in the market for something, they're actively searching for something, but with custom intent, we can tell Google exactly what we want to be those inputs. So instead of in-market, which are predefined, and maybe we loosely fit into one category, uh, but not really all that much, uh, custom intent allows us to drill into it a lot uh, on a more detailed level. Uh, so that still is my favorite audience. Uh, I recommend testing that out first. Uh, from there, I would say number two on my power rankings are demo-only audiences, actually. And the reason demo only is good, and so what that means is just demographics only. So uh, no audiences, no content, anything like that. It's just, what do you know about your target market in terms of their demographics? Maybe it's women in between 25 and 34 who are in the top 30% of incomes, and just target that. The reason demo only can do really well is because compared to any of these other audiences, it's gonna have the lowest CPMs, CPCs, uh, and allow you to reach a wide uh, variety of people at a relatively low cost. So if you can see good conversion rates from uh, demo only by having creative that resonates with that audience, then they typically work really, really well. A few other ones, but the only other one I'll mention is uh, custom affinity audiences, which are similar to custom intent audiences and uh, in, in the way that you set them up and everything, but it's more based on their long-term interests rather than necessarily what they're searching for in the moment. Um, and, and each of those really just talk about the audience targeting side of it. So that's one way that you can target on Google is by targeting people based on what they have been doing, who they are, what demographics do they fit into. The other way that you can target on Google is by targeting the content of the video that they're watching. So there's a few different ways to do that. There's what's called keywords, which allow you to target the actual video itself. So if somebody's watching a video about uh, female hair thinning, and you get in front of them about a with a product about you know, hair replenishment, then that could work really well. Placements is another option there uh, where you can target specific channels, specific videos. Uh, so there's two sides of the coin. There's the audience side of it where you're targeting people and what they're interested in, and then the content side of it, where they are, what are they actively watching on YouTube. Yeah, love it. And so let's talk briefly about, about the creative aspect. And I, I will mention a couple of other episodes. We've done, I've done several now on, on creatives, but one recent episode, episode 184 with Joseph Wilkins from funnysalesvideos.com. Also did an, an episode with Andrew Ekblad, which I'm going to mention uh, in a minute. But basically, you, you want to really think about the creatives because um, – YouTube ads are different than Facebook ads or, or even you know TV ads or other video ads. They're, they're just different. So we don't have much time to talk about this, Matt, but uh, any, any tips or suggestions or, or things you've noticed about videos that work well uh, as YouTube ads? Yeah, like you said, it, it'll be a disservice to try to cram it all in about a minute here. So I definitely recommend going and watching some of those other uh, podcasts that Brett's done, as well as some previous webinars as well. Um, I think there's a few main components you can't miss out on when it comes to those creatives. You got to hook them in those first five seconds. As we know with most YouTube ads, you have five seconds before that big skip ad button pops up. And most people are very eager to click that as soon as they possibly can. But if you manage to hook them in the first five seconds, where they do want to keep watching, that is really powerful. So that's the first part. Uh, then you got to lead with that strongest differentiator. Uh, so don't save your strongest bullet point, the strongest part of your business for the end of the video. Don't, don't bury the lead to use a journalism quote, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah. Exponentially, people are dropping off on that video. So if you can lead with the strongest thing that you think is going to resonate with them, absolutely do that. Uh, and provide social proof. That's another big thing. And I think a lot of times people think of social proof of, oh, I need a celebrity endorsement. I need to be mentioned in uh, Forbes or NBC or something like that. It doesn't need to be like that. It can be as simple as user-generated testimonials. And a lot of times that converts even better than a celebrity endorsement might ever. Uh, I was talking with some of our other specialists today and uh, I talk to customers all the time. A lot of times the user testimonials relate more to them and are more powerful yes. because they resonate. They, they can relate to that. That's 
me as a believable user, too, right? We want to, we want to, exactly. we need to be able to believe and trust what we're seeing and hearing, and the right type of user-generated content really creates trust and believability. And then the last component there uh, is just have a strong call to action. So after they've watched that video, give them something to do. You know, and don't just say it in a way that is, "Hey, click the link below." Create some sense of urgency, uh, whether that's with an offer or uh, just more unique messaging. Uh, have a strong call to action there at the end that gives them that next step. Yep, love it. So the other podcast to check out is with Andrew Ekblad, episode 70. That was the first interview I did with Andrew. Uh, and if you, depending on when you're listening to this, I'm about to record another episode with Andrew. He's brilliant with video marketing, and that's E-C-K-B-L-A-D, Ekblad. So search for that, E-Commerce Evolution and Ekblad. And so check that out. But Matt Slaymaker, this has been fantastic. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Awesome. A couple of the resources I'll mention if you want to learn and really dig deep into to Google Ads and YouTube ads, go to omgcommerce.com under resources. We have some guides that are designed to really help you level up here. So there's a Google Shopping Guide. I just refreshed that. It's also published with Shopify, so you can find it at Shopify as well. There's the top YouTube ad examples guide that really shows some of our favorite and most successful YouTube ads. So you can, you can learn from some of the best there. That's all free. Then there's also a guide on creating authentic customer testimonials. So how do you collect those? How do you get those? How do you identify a winner? We kind of map that out in that free guide as well. So any, Matt, any final words of wisdom, anything you want to say as we, as we wrap up uh, and finish you know, part one of your uh, episodes? Uh, I'll go ahead and plug myself a little bit as well. If you, uh, Please. If you guys are wondering anything about uh, how iOS updates impacted Google Ads in 2021, go to uh, omgcommerce.com, check out our blogs, uh, recently wrote an article there uh, talking about what are some of the big things that changed. Also, if you're curious about uh, what's the difference between dynamic remarketing and standard remarketing, maybe you've never heard of those at all, uh, go check that out on the OMG blog as well. Currently, our featured blog at the moment might not be for long, so go check that out when you get the chance. And that, Brett, uh, assuming yeah. I drag this out long enough, I'll see you for part two. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yes, yeah, so check it out. Matt manages in the spotlight all over the place. So his blog is featured. Uh, killer episode here, Matt. So awesome job, man. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. Appreciate it. Awesome. And as always, thank you for tuning in. We'd love to hear from you. What, what would you like to hear more of on the show? Do you have feedback for us? Leave that review on iTunes if you've not done so. That would mean the world to me. Give Matt some love online as well. And so with that, until next time, thank you for listening. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.